so again i think this comes back to the core problem like the waiting list for therapy was getting longer and longer AFMAC still is getting longer we have a solution that can help reduce those waiting lists as the core first concept principle of what we're trying to do they're desperate for that and guess what we've got therapists of a similar standard similar quality with the similar you know we're able to get these therapists from other areas from even the private side and bring them back in to help the NHS so you know that way we're able to help solve that huge problem and therefore they were jumping at the heels to try and get get our capacity basically the opportunity to innovate in healthcare and to solve some of the world's most pressing issues is vast and as a doctor you have a unique position and insight into solving some of those pressing issues but hey it's really daunting especially when you don't know where to start so in today's episode I catch up with Dr Julian Nesbitt a dear friend of mine who is also an entrepreneur and founded the Dr Julian Medical Group after identifying a significant mental health crisis in the NHS and was driven to solve that problem. In this episode, we focus on his journey, but also really identify what are the key factors that have led to his success as a doctor and how he used his unique insights and positioning to really grow his company in a competitive market and also selling to the NHS. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to your current platform of choice if you're really enjoying these podcast episodes and also our mailing list at medicfootprints.org forward slash join our mission. So on to the episode. Let's face it, burnout amongst doctors is sky high and we're actively seeking other ways to make the most of our transferable skills beyond the usual career pathways. Welcome to Disrupting Doctors' Careers. I'm your host, Dr. Abena Bubbers-Jones, and I'm on a mission to connect one million doctors across the world with the best in diverse career opportunities. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Dr. Julian Nesbitt, a dear entrepreneurial doctor friend of mine, who I think we've we've traced we've traced our relationship, our working relationship, back to the NHS Clinical Entrepreneur Scheme, which was started. Was it 2015? Right, that was or 14? Which what was the first year? Yeah, I, I think it was, it was a while ago. It was, I think it was fifteen or yeah, seven years or so now, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you know, we've we've both started and grown really impactful businesses, and reconnected very recently at the giant healthcare conference uh, that was in London a few months back, and really found this a really great opportunity to reflect on our experiences as doctors that have founded companies, but particularly really wanted to focus on the value of a doctor for health tech companies. So if you are a doctor with an idea for health tech, the really important part of being a doctor, founding a health, a health tech company is recognizing what upper hand you have and what important and unique insights you have compared to someone who is not a doctor 
who has not worked in uh, the healthcare system, because uh, there are plenty of non-doctor healthcare founded companies out there. And remember, you know, one of the benefits of working in an innovative company is also making sure that you remain ahead of the competition. So uh, without further ado, we're going to have a really uh, cool conversation about that. And we're going to start with like learning a little bit more about Julian and why he founded the Dr. Julian group. Is that right? Yeah, apologies for the name. Uh, it wasn't actually my idea for the name, but it's, it's called Dr. <laughs> Julian Medical Group uh, Limited, but it's kind of stuck now. So uh, yeah, that's, where, that's who we are. Nice. Uh, it says who you are, does what it says on the tin. There you go. You're, you're growing an empire, clearly. <laughs> Uh, but tell, tell us about like your first platform. Like why why was it important for you to found the platform? Tell us a little bit more about yeah. it. Yeah. So firstly, thanks thanks for having me. It's really good, great to see you again and reconnect. Um, so my original inspiration. So I was an any doctor. I'm now actually a, a GP. Um, clinging on it. I'm doing one day a week. The I think you know we all know the massive challenge of mental health uh, that the this country and the world is facing, uh, and this huge supply and demand problem. My original inspiration. I think I saw nine patients in a row who try to kill themselves as an any SHO slash reg. And I was like, you know, what is going on here? Just the, the sort of the, the fact it was in a row and then asking them why. And it was all because they're on a nine month waiting list um, to get actual proper therapy support. And, and this was sort of seven years ago now. So I was a bit like, this is crazy. What, why are we, is there, is there a way to, to improve this? Could we make this better? Um, and I thought, you know, let, why are we not using digital technology to to enhance this process and reduce the friction between connecting you to the right therapist or the you know the right clinician for you? Um, and then it's kind of evolved from that concept into something much bigger. But yeah, it's I think for me it was having that clear mission and value of how can we improve access to mental health services, basically. So that's where it stemmed from. And why you? Why did you think this this was a problem for you to solve? I mean, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's in, that's an interesting question. Uh, um, I think sometimes people, you, things just affect you, don't they, in certain yeah. ways. And I think that shift I had just really deeply affected me. And I, I, I thought to myself, you know, there, this is a problem. And I guess I'm someone that likes to solve problems. And uh, I think my father was an entrepreneur. Right? I became a doctor. So I don't know whether mm. I've got some entrepreneurial spirit inside me that was like, let's blast. try and do something uh, to, to help that. Um, so yeah, I think that was uh, th- that was that was the key to it. Great, yeah. I mean, because as doctors, we see problems all the time in the course of our work, right? And yeah, we we love solving problems. Like that is one of our raison d'etres for doing the work that we do and being really good at it. Um, and so it's really interesting that obviously you know it's built on like several tragedies, you know, in a run and really touched those touched some heartstrings for you at that time. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about the next step. So you recognize there was a problem. You want to try and solve it. How did you actually go about doing that in a nutshell? Yeah. And, and yeah, actually, I'd, I'd right. actually like identifying like what is the best solution for it? Because that that is also yeah. quite a difficult thing to do. OK. And I, I think we can come on to this like in terms of what kind of character you are. I'm an ideas guy. Right. So. I come up with all these ideas um, <laughs> that you need to try and then execute. So. Um, yeah, so I, I think for me it was at the time, you know, Uber was out there getting better. All the all of these companies were out there being able to connect you immediately on your phone. So I thought to myself, we could why don't create a telehealth platform just to, you know to connect some more easily? And surely if we do that, we can 
help match supply and demand better, increase capacity across a wider network, even an international network of therapists? And, you know, could you actually help match people to the right, the right person for them? So that was the idea behind it. So I thought to myself, okay, well, how do you go about doing that? Well, I mean, it was, I mean, the start, right, is always terrible. So I, I built this very dodgy app that uh, with some very dodgy Russian developers. And I would say <laughs> the first thing, the first thing you do, right, is you don't go and build an app straight away. Uh, you, you need to sort of test something, understand what the market needs. That's the key, right? Understanding the market need of, of what you're doing and, and, and how that's going to work. And don't go and build something without understanding that first. Um, because that then you've just wasted a load of money and, and try and do things in a more simplistic way, like even a web page or you know something like that that's easier easier to do. So anyway, I built this dodgy Russian app and it was originally for the private market because I was like, okay, well, let's just see if I can get some therapists and, and, and put it on, on the private market. And I, I connected with a, with a therapist um, who'd helped me uh, from that side of it to, 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 to sort of get out there and, and recruit uh, some people. And again, your team over time evolves and changes uh as things goes go on but everyone is valuable at that at that time and place so you know really um we did a great job uh, when we started out uh, and then it just depends on how, how your team evolves but so anyway this dodgy russian app guess what nobody used it because uh, how the hell do you market something like this to the to the private market it, it, you know you, you can't you need loads of money uh the cost how of did how did you how do you so how did you actually market it in the end i mean like you've built yeah. this russian app <laughs> What did you call it? My dodgy Russian app. Like, what? Called it my dodgy Russian app. No, it was called Doctor Julian actually from the start, from the start. Yeah, why, uh, why did you? I'm really, I'm really curious. How, why did you decide to call it after yourself? I, I don't know how this came. Mike, a friend of mine who I'd started the business with, who was going to do this company with me, came up with the name, um, and it was also a trademark thing as well. So if I mean there was Doctor Here's, Doctor There's, Doctor Everywhere's, and you know I was thinking this could be more than just mental health. It could be other doctor type mm. things in the future as well so if you call it that then there's no liability there's no legal issues and then we're thinking whether it's a, a more personal touch so you know we're trying to again this comes back to the doctor-led thing the fact is is that we're trying to be more personal here the, the idea for this company was not to make money actually it's can we solve a problem and help people so from a more personal perspective I, you know that's why that came came up and we're just and to be honest at the start, start like thinking of a of another name is quite it, it, it just it just it just fit and fit, um, fitted at the time whether it's the right name forever who knows but um yeah it, it seems to have stuck for the moment so it's, it seems to be doing okay um but uh, yeah sorry so. I, was, I was gonna say i was just gonna touch upon something that you you said within that i think it's really interesting about how you've really taken it's, it's like you've kind of taken on your mission and really really owned it so it's always going to be with you regardless of whether you leave the company unless they decide to do a rebrand <laughs> right yeah, exactly. but but I think I think that's a real personal way of saying right I've I'm taking responsibility and accountability for really solving this problem and the the solutions the technology that that we create through that and I, I think yeah it's 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 challenging but I think it's it's also legacy building um but I really wanted to go back to the point where you mentioned that when you first built this you weren't doing it for money like you weren't designing yeah. it for money so I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that because as we know um there's different ways to form a company right yeah. and if you're not doing it for money then that would say well why don't you start it as a charity or or equivalent yeah. So tell me a little bit more about that. I'd love to hear that. 
Yeah, interesting point. Absolutely. I think um, for me to try and build something fast or not, in fact, yeah, depending on how fast it was, I think at the time I took some advice on this and, and they'd recommended that I did it as a company. So I was like, okay, we'll, we'll find a company. But, you know, from the from my values, I guess, wasn't about making money, but to be able to raise investment, um, to be able to have decent amount of investment to move forward to do what I wanted to do with it, uh, it made sense to, 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 to found it as a company. But you know, I think, again, if you if the values you have is to make money, then the motivation is, is slightly different. Whereas my motivation was more, how can we build something that will help people? And I think that's what sticks with you. And that that is the thing that keeps driving you with all the failures that you will go through in founding a company. Now, that, I think that's a really important point that you've, you've raised. And I, and I say to a lot of people, like if we were in the business of making money, we would be in finance, we would be in investment, we would be all in like hedge funds, right? Like yeah. that, that is a business of making money, using money to make money. But no, as doctors, as healthcare professionals, we are really in a very altruistic sector. And Absolutely. especially a lot of doctors, when they go on to found companies, they tend to be linked to healthcare or healthcare related, and really motivated by helping people and their well being. Um, so I think that and, and that that's what keeps you going through running a company is because running a company, building a product is extremely, extremely hard work. It's uphill struggle. It's a marathon. And the only thing that really keeps you going is the why and why is it so important? And, and just recognizing that you are solving such an important and a very a hugely important problem um, at scale that's affecting thousands, tens of thousands, millions of people maybe locally, but also across the world. Um, so I think it's it's a really amazing mission that you've really um, decided to uh, tackle and that you're still tackling. Like, how long have you been doing this now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, from concept, like six, seven years, right, when I when I had that shift in any. But I think um, for the first three years, I you know, I was faffing. And, well, yeah, it's impossible, right? You have no idea what you're doing. So um, I didn't – I bootstrapped it completely. Um, mm. And – and then it's just iterating. And I tell you, it's, it's the fact of, I think, just to go back to sort of, you, you built this app for the private market. Okay. And you know, obviously, you've got to make sure that it's secure and, and the data is, is in a secure area. And it's always been built on AWS, which made life a lot easier from that perspective. But I guess it was then, okay, well, the, the app, let's, the UK, the private market is, is difficult. And especially because of all of the, uh, the fact that you have to to do that marketing, which costs more money than you'll make from that customer, so there's, that's a really stupid business model. Um, so then you kind of okay. So if that that doesn't work, then think about what could work. Um, and this is about pivoting, right? So every time you, something doesn't work, if you've got a core mission that's actually you think you know this is a problem, well, okay, we well, might not be able to address the problem in that way, but how else can we address the problem? And I think coming back to being a doctor-founded company and working in the NHS, I thought, okay, well, let's talk to the NHS because they are the mainstay of people that provide therapy. So I was actually really lucky. I had a, a trust that, uh, an, an IAP service uh, who provide, so the IAPS is how they provide the therapy in this country. That They you know, said, we, you know, let's, I'm going to take a punt. Let's give you a go. Let, let's see if you can uh, help, help us with some of our capacity and you've got the therapist now. Um, so let, let's let's try that. And uh, I guess at the start, I think I had to phone every individual customer personally, apologising for the technology because uh, it was so terrible. Um, but please bear with me. <laughs> and, and again, with a the therapist. And again, if you can sort of get them to buy into what you're doing, then they're more forgiving. 
Um, and then, uh, then what that means is over time, you can start to develop and make that technology better and better, uh, you know, and, and build a sort of what we've done now is a progressive web app. So it's an app that goes across all, all mediums, um, web app, uh, iPhone app and iOS app. And, and it's from just continually learning from what that person, you know, the feedback from, from your therapist and from your customers. But you have to start somewhere. And, and that, that's, you know, that's how it started, really. Mm. Um, no, I really appreciate that journey in the sense that you were you realize that this is an experimentation phase it's trial and error and actually there's probably hundreds and thousands of solutions to the problem the question is what like what which solution do you pick and how do you know it's working or not working and yeah it's 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 an ongoing process and probably still ongoing now as the problem kind of changes and shifts as time goes forward but I want to take you back to some of those earlier days when you were having conversations with the IAT investors etc etc um when you started getting the yeses to whatever you were asking for what do you think it was that led to the yes yeah okay so when you talk about being trying to do business with the NHS yeah I actually think being being a doctor was hugely helpful right and there's an interesting saying and I say that you know We've never actually had a salesperson in the business because you can't sell to the NHS at all. Um, if anyone tries to sell to the NHS, it just doesn't work. You have to have a, a conversation with that NHS um, organization and, and talk to them, find out what their problems are and say, well, actually, um, they actually come to you when you have a problem that is so desperate that they're trying to deal with. They will come to you. And then what happens is, is that they then refer you on to other NHS trusts. So it's all word of mouth. Um, if you try and sell coming into the NHS, it, it just doesn't work. That's my anyway. That's my experience. So again, I think this comes back to the core problem. Like the waiting list for therapy was getting longer and longer. In fact, still is getting longer. We have a solution that can help reduce those waiting lists. As the core first concept principle of what we're trying to do, they're desperate for that. And guess what? We've got therapists of a similar standard, similar quality, with a similar. You know, we're able to get these therapists from other areas from even the private side and bring them back in to help the NHS um so you know that way uh we're able to help solve that huge problem and therefore they were jumping at the heels to try and get get our capacity basically and how do you position yourself and your company against your competitors yeah exactly so as as we've kind of grown and, and scaled obviously there's been more uh telehealth providers coming in um and I think again that the system has grown a lot now so it's not just therapy that we provide. It's for me. It's about giving choice, uh, empowerment to patients, and we're able. We've got really quite sophisticated system now, which can um, help match people to the most appropriate person for them. Also, gives them access to the right self-help tools, resources um, that most that are most appropriate to them, and, and in a personalised way on their own dashboards. Uh, and, and this whole sort of ecosystem that's an electronic health record, but integrating this patient-facing side. I think competitors generally don't quite have that uh, level of technology and, they, and no one really offers choice um they sort of give you the next available therapist but for me it was can we give you someone that most suits you uh, and and by doing that we've managed to improve the engagement rates because people are booking their own appointments with someone that most suits them at a time that's convenient to them so that was the sort of core uh, pinnacle of that and i think the other other differentiating i mean we've got different business models now because we're actually licensing our platform as well um, out to other service providers for the, the technology benefits of this, the, the efficiency gains of digitizing things, plus the uh, pe the patient benefits from it. Um, 
people now want to use our tech, which is brilliant uh, for their own service provision. And, and, and I think very limited. That's not really happening in the market at the moment either. But I, I, you know, how do you differentiate from your competitors? For me, it's about understanding what competitors are doing, but fully understanding the market and where it's going. And mm. I think you know, one of the things I found really interesting is all of these companies that are coming out building AI chatbots for this, that, there that they're really struggling and they're overextending and that's because the market's not ready yet for a virtual therapist you know maybe in 10 years but right now they're not so for me it's about understanding what the market needs now so how can we augment the therapist using digital not replace them maybe over time you could then go more into that replacement phase but right now the market is not ready for that and i think some of these competitors might struggle because they haven't really understood what's needed now and maybe coming back to your point about being a doctor by, under, by having this grounding of knowing what the patients are saying to you uh, and the sort of doctor instinct, you kind of can understand that market better than someone that's developed something from a tech perspective, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a really important point to summarise on. So basically being a doctor has helped you to understand the, the clinical need, but also to understand the needs of the healthcare system that you're selling to, like what's important exactly. to them. And really, really matching into those. Well, I've mentioned two prongs there. I'm sure there's others, but those are the key elements because other companies may not have those insights on the ground insights and and be able to leverage it in a, in the same way. You mentioned the whole lot of techie stuff beforehand, which I'm yeah. sure is an important part of that. But if we look at the the fundamentals, the it, it seems like the principles. That that is the the important point that I, I'd really like to highlight and summarize from what you've said, um, because. Yeah, it can be scary, especially when you're up against companies that have way more money than you, right? <laughs> that have a lot more money than you. And you're like, how am I going to? But actually, it, it, it's actually know, knowing the customer, knowing the client, knowing what they need and, and really getting beneath the surface. And uh, we talked just beforehand about addressing their, their pain points. Exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, an- another point that we, we're actually quite keen to discuss today is about uh scaling in the nhs so um yeah what is scaling and it's like one of those words that's thrown about <laughs> constantly yeah. um, especially related to any tech company and sounds really really cool but like why don't you tell us what you know uh what you interpret the word scaling as interesting point i get and well, in, in the growing, nhs as well yeah i, I mean i, I Scaling is synonymous for me with like with growing. So how do you grow the company? Well, scaling in the NHS is how do you grow the company inside the NHS, encompassing more NHS trusts or services, mm-hmm. uh, doing more with individual NHS trusts. So how is essentially how do you grow that company in, in, inside an ecosystem, I guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you do that? Because I know originally you <laughs> yeah. were you well you you probably dabbled with both private and public sector companies um as clients so yeah tell us more about why you're focusing more so on the nhs at this stage of your company growth yeah absolutely and that kind of comes down to there's an analogy which is called b to c which is where you where you're a company going directly to a consumer or to a to a patient or whatever and then there's a b to b element um that can then go actually you're going through an intermediary then that then goes to the customer and actually sometimes it's much easier to do the b2b bit because these intermediaries are much much bigger and they already have all the customers so you just need to sell to one of those to then get all of those customers 
uh, as compared to that B2C model where you have to market it to every individual, to individual uh, person. Yeah. Um, so, we, you know, we do do B2C, but we haven't really done any marketing because we haven't needed to. Um, and, and the B2B element is where we're focused. So the NHS, for instance, will commission us to provide a service in that area um, for a set number of patients per month. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, what? how do we scale? Um, it comes back to that point of understanding what they need. And if you try and sell them something, it doesn't work. So, but if they, if you say we're offering this and they've got targets to hit, where actually they're going to be penalized because they haven't seen enough patients and their waiting list is huge and they are under so much pressure to get that down, they will grab you at the haunt to, to get you to do that. So that's how they came to us because we found a problem that was so great for them um, and that they were going to get penalized for. They were desperate to use it. And, and it was reasonably simple to use at that point. So I find a lot of tech companies trying to sell into the NHS. It's so hard, right? So NHS is so busy. As we know, again, we're, for clinicians working in the NHS, we know how stressed and stretched and everything we all are. Um, to get someone to just adopt a new technology it is really, really difficult. So the way that, you know, we're now doing that side of it, but actually the way in is, is to find something that they're desperate for to start with. And then you can start to sell more to them uh, as things go, you know, and slowly introduce things um, mm. such as changing that the way that they do their technology. So, I mean, that, that's the key, right? Find something that is so, they are so desperate for and that's so, so needed, then they will come to you. So no, actually, that's a good point. Um, and the question is, how did they know to come to you? That's a question probably lots of doctors will <laughs> ask. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I was lucky with this first break. Uh, Inclusion Thurrock, lovely chap, Paul Baggett there, was, gave me a break. He's a service manager of the Inclusion Thurrock IAP service. Uh, and they... How did you uh, know him? How did I even meet him? Uh, I think... Again, through if you do things, I use LinkedIn a lot for networking and just networking, mm. right? So everyone should network as much as possible, basically. And you never know what will this happen. This is one of the key points we're really yeah. emphasizing on every single episode, every single thing I say, it's develop your network. If you're looking to move careers, change careers, invest, invest, invest in developing your network because that is the way to really uncover opportunities um, not necessarily applying for jobs because like that's the minority of opportunities that are out there extreme minority in fact and once that job is out there you're already up against you know statistically you're, you're not going to get that job because the competition is huge right um yeah. but it is it, it is those networks and nurturing those networks that will get you those big breaks or lucky in inverted commas breaks it isn't probably isn't that lucky to be honest it's just as a result of you being you, you being a doctor, you keeping your ear to the ground and you being connected with the right person who had the opportunity, knew what you were doing, was clear on what you were doing and was like, hey, okay, I get yeah. it. I know you, I trust you, let's go. And 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 work, and work with us and be open to start with to say, look, we're still developing the technology, but we're gonna provide mm. you with very good therapists. We're passionate about it. This is what we're trying to do. Get them to believe in your vision and passion and then they'll give you a break. In fact, look, we're all human beings, right? So human beings like to interact with other human beings. So rather than just calling networking, you can call it make new friends. Because <laughs> if you if you make a friend with someone, then they're more likely to use you or you know help you. Or and, and actually, the more networking you can do with the more friends you can make, the the easier life becomes. Because all of a sudden, all these opportunities start popping out everywhere. So that's what I would encourage uh, everyone to do. 100%, 100%. And actually, that leads on to one of the, the final points I really wanted to discuss. So um, a lot, I mean, obviously, those who aren't in health tech, doctors in particular, who may want to start a company, 
or maybe held back from starting a company because they've got a great idea, but they can't even imagine seeing how anyone would a think their idea is is worth uh, finding a solution for, or actually just go just just getting started in itself. So, what do you think, having gone through what you've gone through so far? I'm still I'm still sure that you are still at the very very early stages of your journey, even though it has been seven seven years. I certainly am. Yeah. I can feel it. Um, yeah. What are the commonly held misconceptions? about actually getting started with a health tech company as a doctor. So take yourself back to when you had the the idea of starting Dr. Julian, yeah. didn't even have the name and thinking, I really want to solve this problem. I'm going to start a company to actually what it actually is. What what are the... Yeah, no, interesting point. Okay, well, it's firstly, it is hard, but if you're passionate about something, you just need to go on and do it. And actually, mm. will it make will it get, will, will it make you happy? Yes, you then can have to ask people how to do things that know better than you. So that comes back to making friends and networking. Uh, how do you go and set up a company on company's house? Okay, well, you can find that out by making friends with someone who, who's able- But well, that's the easiest bit of setting up a company. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's it, literally it, it, the yeah. easiest bit. <laughs> exactly, that's more of an admin thing. Okay, but yeah. as a doctor, right, misconceptions are, I think, especially when we did ours, like when I remember, I did find the clinical training program really inspiring because it was a load of, people that were together that were clinicians that were then given uh, you know made it allow us to do it because back then as well it was like you're a doctor you're only a doctor do not do anything else that's really really stu- uh, stupid idea you know um you've trained as a doctor you need to be a doctor but again if you believe in something and you see it as a problem that you want to fix you just have to get on and do it um and you are allowed to do it by the way you don't just have to be a doctor if you want to do something else you can go and do something else and you need to do what makes you happy and what you're passionate about and that's that's the key uh the, the, the key to it so i mean yeah give me some examples of misconceptions and i can see whether i can uh, address those a common misconception could be that you basically have to be an expert to yeah. start a particular company in a certain field yeah cool okay so no one is an expert at everything uh, and the first thing to understand is what you can and can't do uh, and what you're good at when you start a company at the beginning right you will just try and do everything and you have to uh, and that's because you bootstrap it and then you just have to muddle along and do the best you can as soon as you can then um as i say coming from networking and connecting with people that know more than you then you, you need to utilize that knowledge uh, and start to surround yourself with people that are good at the jobs that you are terrible at um and you know that's that is the key to growing a business um and i think for me you go through a phase where you you're doing everything to suddenly actually you can now delegate things and wow actually and then that frees you up and and you it's a hard thing because you're letting go of your baby and it's actually a really difficult thing to let go of but once you do it um and you, you start to sk- to grow scale your company um you, you will see how much faster it can grow because you are giving jobs to people that are better than you at doing those jobs um and actually that frees you up to do the things that you're better at so you know that 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 you go through a transition uh, phase of that um i i think that's a great illustration i wanted to just take you back to you've mentioned a few times now you started off bootstrapping so for those people that don't know what bootstrapping is it's actually a terminology for basically funding your company uh with no other no other external investors so that could be your own money um or money that you've earned from growing the company um so tell us a bit more about 
you know, why why did you decide to bootstrap? And do you need a hell of a lot of money to actually start a health tech company? Because, uh, you know, you only really hear about companies that are raising quadrillions. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then, like, they're amazing. They've succeeded. They've raised a fuckload of money. Like, yeah. Like, can you can you still succeed without raising money? But do you know what I find fascinating about the ones that have raised so much money is you know some of the you know I'm looking at them they're some of their burn rates which which means by the way so much how much wastage. they're losing how yeah. much they're losing each month uh, 10 million a month for some of them um that means they're going to run out of money quite, quite yeah what are they spending I literally don't understand and guess what their revenue is like a million and they're losing <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous and they're, they're raising this money based on a dream and a vision that actually then so I don't know some of them will be successful of course um statistically but, yeah but but the majority of them will fail. So if you want to be safer, you build it up gradually with what you again by staying close to market. So um, uh, I guess with mine, I didn't. I mean, okay, the reason why I couldn't raise money is that I didn't know how to raise money at the time. I have no idea because um, you start out as a doctor, you know, trying to muddle your way through this. Um, I would say there are uh, you learn as you go and you and again you use your network to, to help you to, to teach you to train you to read up on things and I think with mine I did everything as cheaply as possible that was safe to do so um as in as I say dodgy technology dodgy Russian, to start apps. With, dodgy Russian app to start with that then quickly didn't I then found a much better developer to to change that um but yeah you don't you don't go expensive at the beginning and waste money you, you you uh you do things yourself to start with as i say but then you when you grow you can start to delegate that fine but you know you do as much as you can yourself and, and you do go through this phase where there's a lot of pain i'm afraid um when you do that but it does mean that you are able to uh to, to try and build something that you retain more of which is helpful um i think maybe when you're a second time founder you do things slightly differently uh, where you can go and raise loads of money but yeah a, lo- a lot of the first time you know well from my perspective I just I wasn't able to and so I had to to raise it from family and friends to start with and and do things as as cost effectively as possible and and build it up slowly and that's why I said I was sort of faffing for three years because you know I was iterating it in a much slower way that was very with very few people in 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 the company Um, and then once we got to an inflection point where actually now this is working we're getting too much work now coming in we need to we need to now grow this so that's when you know you can go and raise a bit more money from from other people but you know you've got to start somewhere and you've got to and you've just got to keep going and and you've just got to sort of build it up as you go along great well thank you so much for your insights and i guess my final question is what advice would you give to doctors who are founding health tech companies as we speak in general like their approach and leveraging who they are their background being a doctor in that approach to growing the company so my opinion is doctors are probably the best people to found health tech companies having been having knowing what you know as a doctor you are going to be a, a stronger leader in that and then you have to bring people around you to manage the other bits that you're that you, you that you aren't good at basically but what i would say is if you are, believe in something, you see a huge problem, and guess what? You know you know the problem better than anyone else if you're a doctor or a healthcare professional. Um, and you see this problem and you're passionate about solving it, and it will get you out of bed in the morning and it will you will be able to go through the painful days, then just do it because that will make you happy. And um, you know, you should just go and do it basically. And 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 it will be painful. And uh, but but I think the biggest thing here is resilience, you've just got to keep going.
Oh, the last thing I was going to ask, actually, um, you have a child who is nearly two, right? Congratulations. Uh, Lifestyle, (laughs) lifestyle and entrepreneurship. How do you marry the two? Yeah. um, Well, again, okay. so when you start, it's really hard, isn't it? Um, And I think you just have to you have to do what you can do. You have to time try and time manage yourself effectively. You will be working continually. I found it easier with iPhones more than iPhones these days because you can do so much work on your phone. You can do um, so much work on your phone. <laughs> I do as yeah. much work as I reasonably can whilst I'm on my yeah. phone having two kids yeah. and those of two. Like you just have yeah. to, you just have to adapt. But it is remarkable. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, you can. And I think we were talking earlier as well as like once you free yourself up a bit, your mm. the the best way of coming up with ideas and being able to actually grow the company and, and and move it forward is is when you're not working um so you know when 100%. you're going doing exercise or, i mean I, all my ideas come from when i'm swimming or running like that's when that's when you're most i, I find that's where your brain works but understand your brain and, and how it works and, and, and adapt around it um but yeah completely echo that well thank you so much dr julian nesbitt <laughs> for joining us on this pod, on this, this podcast episode which is also recorded um if anyone wants to get hold of you what is the best way of doing that yeah sure so, um i'm on linkedin uh dr julian nesbitt or my uh, email is julian at dr-julian.com okay brilliant thank you and i'm sure we'll hear from you again in in many different ways uh when you dominate the mental health okay. market and beyond i should say medical market and beyond <laughs> who knows but no thank you it's really good to see you thanks again right, you me. too take care all the best bye bye i really hope you found this episode of value for your own career movements especially if you are considering founding a health tech company or you're currently running a health tech company and for doctors who feel that they could really value from a lot of insights and expertise from myself and Medic Footprints and the team in getting started in their entrepreneurial journey, then please feel free to book a one-to-one call with myself or one of the doctors on the team where we will evaluate where you're at in your journey and identify ways to help you move forward by using our personal and organizational networks. Because as we said in the interview, your network is your net worth. And this is how you uncover those opportunities, whether you're seeking them for your own career or whether you're seeking them for building your business. Alternatively, send me a message on LinkedIn or send my team an email at team at medicfootprints.org. I hope to catch up with you on the next episode.